Hello and welcome to the definitive list of everything ever! Colin Disney Edition. Welcome. It's a new name for the same thing you're still listening to. And I'm Nathan. With me, we have Rabbit himself from Winnie the Pooh, also known as James. Hello. Hello. Perfect. I was trying to do a rabbit voice. I don't know how to do a rabbit voice. And we have also with us a hick firefly, Derek. I was about to try a voice, but I realized I don't know how. I don't know. You know Jim Cummings. I know French, so I'm partway there to a Cajun accent. Ah, uh, is that what that was supposed to be? Oops. It's not a race, racist he, accent, you know what I'm well, saying? I mean, he straight up mentions he's, he's Cajun, but, you know. I can't understand a word that bug was saying. <laughs> yeah, slightly a slightly less dignified version uh portrayal of a cajun compared to say gambit from the x-men but have you seen his costume gambit from the x-men in the classic film x-men origins colon wolverine that one mm. is that the one that you're saying is a good representation well uh, better than this bug no. well nothing is not worse nothing is worse than x-men origins wolverine <laughs> hmm. it and home on the range are like bunkmates in hell so (laughs) yeah that's pretty much how that goes but anyway we watched some movies this week but first james must take another terrible quiz on oh my disney it has to do with winnie the pooh which is the movie we watched one of them and each of us is now a pooh winnie the pooh character Mm -hmm. it's what i always wanted to be stuffed (laughs) james who are you? I'm Rabbit. You were right. I knew I have it. a type A personality. Making to-do lists is my favorite activity, and I'm known for turning everything into a competition. So this is like the most accurate one so far. It's true. I mean, when I see Rabbit, I do think of you. Hey, am I the only one that thought Rabbit was a girl for most of the television show? Or am I just – am I the only one? Um – you're the only one. Hmm. Well, well, piss. I can't remember. I always thought Rabbit was was a dude. I don't know. I always thought that Piglet was a girl. No, hmm. Piglet's clearly a dude. Clearly now. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. they're all nothing because they're stuffed animals. But you know, hmm. whatever. Maybe Rabbit identifies as a as a woman. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not here to judge, but I am here to judge Derek's. Uh, <laughs> Whatever Derek got on this stupid quiz. Derek, who who are you? I am Winnie the Pooh. I am kind and loyal to all my friends. I always have an appetite for honey and love spending time in the forest exploring with my closest pals. Well, most of you require to get you outside. Do you like to eat? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I used to explore forests when I was a kid. Right now, the exploration of forests would involve finding a forest nearby. Step There's one. Find like a forest. One in your backyard. You just go into the mountains. There's adventure in your own backyard, Derek. Your own 50-square-foot backyard is where all the adventure is. Well, now that he's out of the Notre Dame area, you know, he can... And 90% of it is a pool. But other than that... It's adventure to be had with all those hornets that live in your hot tub. (laughs) 
Gross. Mm, yep. Maybe they make honey. Maybe this is more accurate than we thought. Mm. <laughs> Why don't you think about that, Derek, this upcoming week? About how you can be more poo-like. Hmm. Poo. I'm Christopher Robin, apparently. My strongest trait is being imaginative. I am a leader, I guess, for this podcast. And your intelligence keeps you very curious. I am very smart and curious. So pretty much uh, no negatives for him. So that's accurate. You're the nope. only real one out of all of us. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Yeah, I'm the also the only one that's not a figment of someone's imagination, so that's good. We are Wait, a so figment of your imagination. Is yeah. Rabbit a real rabbit, or is Rabbit a stuffed rabbit? They're all stuffed. I thought mm. Rabbit was real. I thought Rabbit well, and Owl were real. Well, no, out of wrong. all of them, Rabbit seems to be the most... Look, looks the most like a real rabbit. He's not as noticeably... You're right. Who doesn't look like a real rabbit? <laughs> yes. I don't That's also, what you meant. <laughs> yes, that is entirely what I meant. I also don't recall Rabbit ever having any any of his stuffing come out or noticed any stitchings on him. So if he is well, a stuffed animal, he's like... the expensive one. Yeah, he I am. Though, because he's he is in the in the books. Well, yeah. And everyone yeah, knows... was he real in the books? I no, he was, the books. was stuffed. Are you sure? Uh, I'm only the biggest poo fanboy this side of the Mississippi, so yeah, he's stuffed. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I started the club Pooers, the fan did, base. Did you? I should. No, I said it. You should. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, was this when you were like five? Because then like, I could totally believe it. Poopers. That's, our, mm. that's who we are. We just love poo. Mm. We love playing with poo. We love cooking with poo. It's just a real book. <laughs> These sound bites and more provided free of charge, except not free of charge because they're going up on our Patreon. We don't have a Patreon. They can just record it off the podcast. We will for this. How sure. Let's talk about the degenerate filth we watched this week. Except this week was good. Yes. Not to spoil the surprise that somehow we watched stuff that was better than Home on the Range. <laughs> somehow Disney managed to do better this time around. What a freaking shocker. Uh, this week we watched... First up, we have, before we get to Winnie the Pooh, since you already figured that one out, we had The Princess and the Frog back in 2009, Disney's return to animation. And I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but we're skipping the CG films. We know Dinosaur and Chicken Little exist. We, we, we're fully aware of that. <laughs> we're not watching them until we're done with the traditionally animated films, which is this week, and then we're going to dig deep into the dumpster fire that is... Uh, early Disney CG animation. So that as it may, we're watching The Princess and the Frog. Uh, this movie was Ron Clements and John Musker's return to try and save Disney's animation, traditional animation department, I guess, or at least make something redeemable. Uh, at least not let Home on the Range be the last one, right? Yeah, for real. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, the story is... So I didn't even know what the original Princess and the Frog story is besides the frog kissy bit. So It's literally the story that the mom was telling at the beginning. That is pretty much, well, there's more details, but that's essentially it. 
was expanded upon in this one. So in this one, you have Tiana, who is a waitress trying to save money for her own restaurant in New Orleans in the 20s. And a foreign prince comes and through voodoo magic of some the shadow man uh, turns into a frog. She kisses him because he thinks she's a princess and she's just dressed up as one at like a masquerade ball. And they both become frogs and they go on a, a rip-roaring Don Bluth-style adventure through a swamp to find another voodoo lady who does literally nothing. And then they turn have a moment where they realize they like each other. And the carefree prince and the hardworking uh, waitress have to learn to find middle ground. And then they become people again and get married because it's a Disney movie. And she also has a friend who sucks. So <laughs> that's the thing. She also has a friend who sucks. She doesn't and suck that much. It's so annoying. And then they have a crocodile who we actually really liked. And a... That's because you are the crocodile. <laughs> we established that on a previous episode of whatever the show is called now. And a firefly sucks. But not yeah. as much as the friend. Well, maybe more than the friend, actually. The firefly is literally Gambit from X-Men Origins. Mm-hmm. And just to let throw this out now, uh, we're fully aware this is the first African-American princess and a story that is predominantly contains an African-American cast in New Orleans in the 20s, which is great. That's fine. Um, I do have some problems with some of the portrayals, but we'll get to that when we get to it. So anyway, first impressions, because I forgot how this podcast works. I almost went straight to good stuff. Uh, James, have you seen this before? Your thoughts? I, I watched it in the theater. I don't remember why. And I don't. That's a Disney movie. Well, no, I, I'm pretty sure someone dragged me to it because I was a little bit concerned about how things were going to play out in this film. I didn't really like it the first time, but watching it again this time, I felt like it was actually a really good movie. I was pretty impressed. It may be, uh, you know, Brother Bear and Home on the Range leaving a bad taste in my mouth, and this was such a better film than those two. But yeah, I was like lungs ripped out repeatedly versus those other two. Might yeah. be slight bias, but slight bias. Cool. What about you, Derek? Um, yeah, I'd seen this one in the theaters as well. I, I think the reason I saw it was because, I mean, for a while I'd been not seeing Disney movies in theaters, but with this one, I started getting interested because it felt more like a return to form. Art style looks a lot looked a lot more like their classic style uh, from the Renaissance era. I remember really enjoying it. Um, it wasn't my favorite movie ever, but I enjoyed it. I did get a bit of an ironic chuckle out of how much it felt like a response to previous Disney messaging with how they portrayed like the main focus of the story early on. Did but you and I go see this movie together? Probably not. I think I went with my mom. Oh, okay. This was 09. Yeah, yeah, we were friends at we that time. We were hanging out by 09. Yeah, I don't oh. think... I. I'm pretty certain I didn't drag you there. I don't have very many memories of that going to see the movie. I just know that I did. And so, Same. That's why I was wondering if it was me and you. Yeah. Um, rewatching it, uh, there's stuff. I There's a lot of stuff that I really liked. Um, same stuff that I liked before. There was other stuff that I found I didn't like quite as much or was more ambivalent towards. But yeah, it's still a really solid movie. 
And I'm glad that this was this was one of the last 2D animated movies as opposed to the last two. I just wish that it had have been enough to save the 2D animation department because there are some films that we're going to be getting to in a bit here that I wish had been done in 2D instead. I'd never seen this movie before we watched it for the show. And again, it, the context might have uh, influenced my initial watching of it. But uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I f- felt the transition from the second to third act, and most of the second act was not great, mm. um, which is a problem that most middling Disney films have, I noticed. Yeah. Range being an egregious example of this. Um, and there was a kind of a skimming over of character depth and the villain didn't really feel very well thought out either. Like, it had a lot of surface-level problems that normally I think might have bothered me, but the film fit together well enough that I enjoyed the watch, and I liked the way it looked. So, yeah, generally speaking, it felt like, after watching a bunch of trash on this show, uh, it felt more <laughs> akin to the leaving the golden era of Disney-type films, like the Hercules era, and less mm-hmm. of, like, the dumpster fire that was last week. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, with that, uh, let's talk about stuff we enjoyed about this movie. Um, yeah, the thing that I enjoyed, my favorite moment of the movie, was when, um, what was the alligator's name? Louis, I think it was? Louis. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bit where Louis he... Louis C.K. <laughs> the bit where he talks about how he tried to go and play jazz with humans on a boat and the mo- immediately followed by being chased away with gunfire and just the voice actor's delivery and the expression on the character's face of it didn't go well had me in stitches for the next minute yeah that was a, that was a surprising gag for disney i they had, they had some pretty decent gags in this film mm-hmm. yeah i thought yeah but yeah. and they murdered a main character mm-hmm. yeah that was, was the main character I hated, so it was like even better. Yeah, um, I didn't hate the main. I didn't hate Ray the fi- the Firefly, but the fact you know his name shocks me yeah. because I hated him and I didn't remember his name. <laughs> He's dead. Let God sort him out. You don't have to remember his name anymore. Yeah. Same. Well, I mean, I was ambivalent towards him the first time I saw it. I thought, yeah, not my favorite character this time around. But what really impressed me the first time I saw this movie was that they kept him dead. It just struck me as something, this is something they wouldn't have done in the past, on, or at least on some of their movies. So the fact that they actually kept him dead, I thought was a really big positive in the movie's favor. Not because I wanted him dead, but just because I like it when movies actually follow through with, you know, the peril. I think Nathan and I wanted him dead, so we were also happy about that scene. <laughs> we all enjoyed it for different reasons. Yeah, burning hell, worthless bug. Oh, he he was the worst part of this film. Well, he is now a ball of gas burning billions and billions of miles away. How'd that happen? That's contradictory to Lion King. That was a very great just gonna bring that up. That was a very weird scene. Wait, is that cinematic universe correct? (laughs) He's like a king of the past. Apparently, Firefly. I did. I do. Can serve in heaven or be king in hell? That's what happened to him. He's in hell now. Yeah, I did. Where he belongs. <laughs> but I did crap ah crap nah crack up the first time I saw the movie when I saw the funeral progression and I'm just thinking you know I know this you may want this to be sad but it's a funeral for a firefly 
This is hilarious. They're about to eat him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they almost ate him the first time they met him. Yeah. Mm, but, yeah, another thing... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Another thing... I had quite a few things I liked about this movie. Another thing I really liked, um, the Shadow Man, um, Dr. Facilier, the main bad guy, he... Wait, he has a name? He has a name. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't... Did you catch anyone's name in this film, Nathan? No, I just knew he was the Shadow Man. I caught their name. I introed it. <laughs> I know Louie. I know Prince Naveen, I know Tiana, and I know okay, the Okay, that's all I know, too. Right. Essie, well, and Big Daddy is what they called, she oh, called her dad, which was weird. Who was John Goodman? Baba Odie. Yeah. I remember Odie's He name. was Pacha. This is also true. But yeah, I liked, um, yeah, I liked the Shadow Man. Um, he wasn't, I mean, he didn't get much development, but honestly, the reason I like him is almost entirely because of his voice actor. Keith David can take the shallowest of characters and make them awesome. I thought he looked good. Mm -hmm. I, I thought he had cute animation tricks. He was very flashy and stylistic and didn't have much to him, which actually was unfortunate because I would have liked to know more about his plans, I guess. But yeah, he, he was well-voiced and looked just fantastic. Yeah. Is, he reminds me of Jafar in some ways. Yeah. He reminds me of Scar for me, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and what I liked about him a lot was that, you know, he was, the majority of the movie he spent being terrified of things going wrong because of what would happen to him. And so, also, that's also one point that, at the end of the movie, I was just thinking, so there's this, um, seemingly all-powerful evil entity in this world, and nobody's addressing that? Yeah, that's one of my problems with this movie. I wouldn't call it a problem. I just like the idea that the happy ending is overshadowed by essentially some sort of cosmic horror. Yeah, that's exactly. That's what I didn't have a problem with. There's lots of cosmic horror IRL, and no one worries about them. <laughs> Meteors. Well, yeah. Those are cosmic horror. Well, the dinosaurs worried about it, which we'll find out next week. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> what happens at the end of that movie? No one cares about dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Um, this film looks really good. It did. This film looks excellent. Like, mm -hmm. like really, really good. Mm -hmm. Like, like the tech, the CG mixed with the visual style, mixed with everything. It's kind of unfortunate that they spent the bulk of it in a swamp that didn't look as good <laughs> as some other parts of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the villain scene in his shop with the cards looked was like probably I think the most visually interesting portion of the film. I really really liked that part. Yeah, which made me like the Shadow Man, even though he's a hollow husk of a character. There's no development at all. Um, I like how they changed the art style during her song. Yeah, when she's kind of imagining what that place is going to look like. Oh yeah, that was a clever visual effect. Mm -hmm. Like that the, was a good way to keep like the song interesting keep the show going yeah ended by like transitioning from the from the imagination visual style into the reality i thought that was mm -hmm. a clever way of showing that yeah i also liked that song uh particularly uh to just something else to say you inhaled so, sharply at the yeah end. i was like what's happening i hiccuped no no but, oh, i yeah. like lewis mm -hmm. louis i was surprised i thought i'd hate him yeah, he, he is like the most. He was weirdly the most human character in a movie about <laughs> frog people. Yeah, what I kind of like about him. Well, 
I think with him, the thing is he had, well, I mean, he wanted to turn human, but that wasn't ultimately his goal. I mean, his goal from the very beginning was very clear and it was the correct goal. It was that he wants to play jazz. Then he succeeds. So oh, the goal, the, the point, okay. Okay. You ready? Oh, no. We're going to oh, talk no. about thematic elements. This may be too complicated for you guys. So oh. a major theme of this movie is wanting something really badly and having to learn that sometimes you have to go sideways to accomplish the thing you want. It's true. That, that is like the main theme of the film. It happens with Louis. It happens sort of with the stupid bug whose name I don't even care about. Who broke but the laws it, of physics. Right. Yeah. And it, it absolutely happens with both main characters, with the mm-hmm. prince having to learn that his excess and he kind of is like feeling sorry for himself in a way. And so he's trying to like get, get over it by, you know, flirting and, and being carefree when he has no money mm. is not necessarily this and being lazy is not the solution to find this happiness that he wants. And she wants to have a store and find happiness and feels that the only way to accomplish that is through, you know, hard work mm-hmm. because that's what father taught her, which is a noble goal, but it can't be the only goal and the only attempt in and of itself, which is what she learns in a sense, almost to rely on someone else for help. Mm-hmm. And like, I do feel like she didn't change as much as I was hoping for in the movie. I didn't feel like her change was as dramatic. Like she didn't have some, like when 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 they go to the witch doctor lady, she very explicitly states what the prince needs to do to right. complete his character arc, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for her, she's just like, oh, I'll figure it out. And it's like, wait, no, like <laughs> she you can point out that her obsessive hard work is a flaw. Like it never like overtly states that like her. Well, like, because I feel they felt like it would be offensive if they told her mm-hmm. to like chill out because of the climate by which this film was around but in reality she needed to chill out like she needed to mm-hmm. take a step back her father worked herself almost literally to death and it shows that that's a negative mm-hmm. and she needed to do the same and like kind of take a step back on her life and realize what was going on and that was her sideways step to complete your character arc and unfortunately mm-hmm. hers i feel executes the poorest out of the crew mm-hmm. but it's still the theme of the film like the yeah. and that's why i liked about the film is i felt like it had a, like aladdin did I yeah, I was just going to bring up, like, Aladdin and Jasmine, the way they are paired, I felt like Naveen and Tiana aren't as, like, as good, but they're really good. Right, they're, they're, and that's not necessarily because their characters are super compatible, but it's because the arc that the film wanted to push them into, they had parallel growth, and so right. that's, that made them synergistic. Go ahead, sorry. That's the same thing that Aladdin and Jasmine, like, they had opposite wants, and then they both we're on a path that converged and taught them, you know, the opposite of what they were thinking. Right. They, 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 they both, they both followed a similar path. Just they start on the opposite ends of the spectrum, but it was mm-hmm. the same path mirroring each other, which is why it was good. That's why, hmm. even though people still say that Jasmine has no character, I feel that that's not entirely <laughs> fair. Yeah. I mean, with both movies, it's basically like you mentioned, they start on opposite ends, but you know, to put it simply, they meet in the middle. Which is kind of where, you know, most friendships and relationships kind of do best is when they, if they're with such different people, when they meet in the middle, that's where, you know, it works. And even in that film, like, and I'm sorry, we're talking about Aladdin still, but even Jafar is like the antithesis of that because 
his, he doesn't learn a lesson in his quest for what he wants, which is power, and it ultimately dooms him. Which mm-hmm. I don't feel this villain had that level of strength. Like he could have played no. this could have been you know the next Aladdin if he had played into that role kind of as well. Because mm-hmm. you kind of felt like it happened with the butler a little bit too, right? Yeah. Like, but unfortunately they just turn into kind of generic villains. I did kind of like, and I know people I shouldn't say I like this, but I did kind of like that. Jar was just a victim of circumstance to this whole thing. It's like the Shadow Man had this plan, and it it was pretty, you know, airtight to a certain extent. And she was just like totally a like circumstantial accident. She yep. was just collateral mm-hmm. damage, and so he didn't really have anything against her personally, like a lot of villains do with the hero heroes of yeah. the films, right? And and he didn't ever treat her like that, which I liked. I liked that she was just like another, just a small accident in his overall plan. Mm. It was different, at least. I don't know if it was good, better, if the film was better or worse for it. It probably was mm-hmm. not better yeah. for it. But I did like. I thought that was at least unique. Yeah, I think it, I really like Tiana. Yeah, I think Tiana's a really good character. Yeah, and I think her role in the story, the way having her be that victim of circumstance, it helps. Well, at least in theory, it helps with the uh, make the villain's plan seem better. Because whenever you have a story where the villain's plan fails because of a flaw in the plan itself, that makes the villain look bad. But if you do have the kind of story where the villain's plan is sound, but there's an unexpected element thrown in that they couldn't have counted for, that makes the villain still lose, but come across as having been smarter than if it had been their own fault entirely. I like Tiana, but I do feel like she's a bit of a doormat. Mm. Like... She always is solving other people's problems that they're bestowed upon her just because she's the reliable one. And I guess that's realistic. Yeah, but that, that's why I like it, because mm. that is how it is to be the reliable one. Like you would know. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> just kidding. The last time I'm hey, reliable I'm for Robin. <sighs> yes, but I'm the one that raises the garden here. <laughs> Oh, that's fair, I, I think. I eat your honey! <laughs> yes, I, I'm well aware you eat my honey, sir. Thanks, Pooh. That was like a scary dinosaur version of Pooh or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I what was, was quoting something. What did we think of the songs? Um, I really like the song Derek brought up. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Hero song? Yeah, the hero song was great in this film. I like, mm. I like that, and I like the villain song. I don't know if I liked any of the other songs. Adam yeah. Odie's song kind of did not do it for me. Yeah, I think I was kind of 50-50 on the songs. I liked about half of them. I didn't care for half of them. I didn't like the Firefly song, and I didn't like the other witch... I don't even know if she's a witch doctor. I don't know what she is. The other voodoo lady. I yeah, didn't like her song very much. Adam Odie? Yeah. Uh... I did not like her song. I felt like mm. it kind of got in the way of the plot i honestly didn't like her like because she didn't no we're not in negatives but she felt like an unnecessary element in the plot mm-hmm. but you know whatever yeah uh, hey, yeah i don't know it feels kind of like she feels almost like the wizard of oz um in such a way that she doesn't use any magical powers to fix anyone's problems but she still has powers so it's she has less of an excuse for not just fixing it. Except for she actually has magic and the wizard didn't. Yeah, but, yeah, that's what I meant. 
Okay. And so, yeah. With the wizard, it's like, no, I can't fix your problems magically because I don't have magic. In her case, she's like, hey, learn a lesson or something. Yeah, she was like, oh, <laughs> she get out of here and learn a lesson. It's like, what? <sighs> she could have totally just said, told them, oh, hey, by the way, that loophole at the end that saves you. Yeah, you can do that as well. Just you know, just so you know, as she, they, Tiara could have Tiana's smart enough that she could have figured it out herself and been like, "So and so is a princess." Like that could have been a character moment for her. Yeah, uh, it's it, it felt weird. Mm. We're not, we're not in the negatives though. We're talking about the songs. Yeah, we're done. Songs. We're positive. We're talking about something that isn't that. <laughs> I liked that it was set in New Orleans. Yeah. I don't actually watch very many films set in New Orleans. In fact, I can't think of any. Oh, so you love New Orleans but hate New York? That's why is that I what you say? I hate New York lately. <laughs> okay, sorry, mm. Oliver and Company. I still think you're the worst. It's pretty much Oliver and Company too, except with frogs. Yeah, except with how? Because it's set in a city and there's animals in it. Okay. Yeah, I just I can't. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I like the setting a lot. It's uh. It's kind of new that that part of the country is one of those very culturally um, strong. Like it has a very distinct culture compared to a lot of other parts of the country. So it's always fascinating to see stories set in that area. Yeah, I like the jazz elements of mm-hmm. the music quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have things to say about the setting that no <laughs> one's gonna like, but oh, I I did like that they set it in that specific part of the world and i like that they thematically built the story around its setting mm-hmm. very i felt they did a, a good job of setting it it's a very new orleansy story like mm. oliver and company is a very new yorky story yeah it's true yeah and so um did we have any other positives before we wanted to move over to the negatives i like it made the- me like disney again true there's no cows make Rosie O'Donnell, not Rosie O'Donnell, damn it. There's no Roseanne <laughs> she's, cows. She's the gorilla. You keep getting them confused. I know. Oh, God. That's that's Derek, the gorilla. Derek, the, yeah, Derek's the Rosie O'Donnell gorilla. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Snow Dogs reference, there you go. Check it off your bingo. I knew that was coming next. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely better than Snow Dogs. Yeah, um... Well, as you, did you actually how, agree with that? Did you even listen to what I was saying? <laughs> he just said, "Yeah." <laughs> I feel like this is great because I've already referenced Derek living in Notre Dame. So, well, I'm like, okay, we what, are like five for five. You should have bingo on the definitive list of everything tonight. Yeah, yeah. Well, what you said was started to catch up with my brain as the words were leaving my mouth. So, <laughs> yeah, Nathan acted all pretentious and talked about theme, and now he's going to have a soapbox about the setting. So, yeah. you can check. This- well, too. before we do that, uh, I want to bring up something that may be a bit of a transitionary um, topic. The romance between the two main characters. How does it fit? Like, does it feel believable? Does it feel too rushed? Um, in the context of Disney romances are always rushed, does it feel paced well in that context? Or does it feel even more rushed? Or how does it compare to past Disney romances we've um, watched? A lot of things you just asked. Yeah, I was like, okay, where to begin? Uh, comparison. It is not as good as Aladdin and Jasmine, and I feel like that yeah. was our. I don't know if it's as 10. good as Tarzan and Jane. Hmm. I yeah, it's probably under Tarzan and Jane for me. Yeah, I 
I definitely like it. But I feel it. like it's probably a better Hercules and Meg because I felt like they both learned something. And as Nathan pointed out, as much as I enjoy Hercules, Hercules doesn't really do much changing in that yeah. film, if any. This is a better romance than Long John Silver and that kid in the Pirates Pirate Space. That's Pirate a bromance, movie. okay? Yep, is it better than that? Um, but was it better uh, than Captain Amelia and Doctor whatever his name Doppel Doppler Ganger? Doppler, there we go. What is this? What the the Captain and the Doctor in Treasure Planet. I don't know. Was, <laughs> was Tiana and Naveen better or worse? Oh, they weren't dogs, so <laughs> so better. better. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll better than Lilo and Stitch. That wasn't a romance. <laughs> was it better than Lilo and her and their sister? No, uh, okay. that was not also not a romance. But was it better than Beauty and the Beast? Lay out what a romance was. It better than Beauty and the Beast? No. I think. I don't know. I think. Okay, hey, with... quick hits, quick yeah. hits. Would you what? How if you had to rate this on a scale of like fair, good, great, or amazing? How would you rate the romance? You get to pick one of those words just to start this off, Derek. Um, good. I'd just pick good. Okay, so below a, around or below average is what you're saying. About that, yeah. For James. reasons I'll get into. In good. I'd, yeah, I'd I'm good. also good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to see if there's any any of us that thought this was the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. Today. Not the most yeah. amazing thing ever. I think the thing with me with their romance is that up until a certain point, I felt like they had some really good flow to the romance, but then the moment they get to uh, Mama Odie immediately after that Naveen wants to marry her and up to that point I'd been thinking you know this is a very well put together Disney romance it may be one of the ones that flows the best and the most realistically and he wants to marry her immediately he didn't have enough character growth earlier they yeah. wasted time on stupid frog catchers that should have been that that should have been the transitionary period where they he, she teaches him the mints right and mm-hmm. then there should have been one scene between that and Mama, whatever Baba Yaga's house, and Baba then it Yaga. then it would have made sense. Then, the, but mm-hmm. it, would, it felt like it was missing a a, a a whole scene of their development, and they spent too much time on showing that he was like a huge lazy butt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like that mincing scene a lot, though. That, yeah, I that do think I like. It plays well. And yeah. it was formulaic, but it was cute. I liked it. Yeah. But I, I mean, think, it's formulaic, but they were frogs. Like, that does make it better. Yeah. I think one of the things <laughs> is... Better with frogs? Yes. Yeah. One of the things is with a lot of Disney romances, <laughs> they accuse them... They accuse if them... If Oliver and Company had been about frogs, I would have liked it, guys. Frogover and <laughs> Company? Frogover and Company, We're talking yes. about frogs here, Derek! Stop gotcha. trying to actually get the movie. Sorry, May I, I begin? Okay. One no. of One Wait, of the... No. F- Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Derek, go ahead. <laughs> okay, one of the things that uh, Disney romances are often accused of is characters falling in love in too short a time period. But... Com- but isn't that true of every movie ever? Yes, no, but... Here's... Or guilt Disney, though. Well, yeah. But here's the thing, is get, thinking about it with uh, at least the ones that we've watched, um, Beauty and the Beast... You know, we don't know how much time passed. It could have been a fair amount of time. Uh, Jasmine and Aladdin is played off as love at first sight, but more time passes. And, yeah, I can't think of any others at the moment, but, or, no, Tarzan and Jane. Time is implied to have passed. In this story, it was literally 
a single night. There is no, oh, they spent more time together that they just sort of glossed over. No, it was literally beginning to end one night. That was it. So, I think it would have been better if he hadn't had been interested in marrying her, but like wanted to get to know her better. And then there was the passage of time after he did not turn back into human and then say, you know, like three months later, then they got married. Yes, or something. That's actually what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. I thought they were going to be like, well, we're going to have to wait a year till next Mardi Gras. And I was like, that's pretty bold. Yeah. They're like they, they're going to have to stay frogs for a year before they can actually turn back. That's but, actually a really good idea. Yeah. And, and then they actually like, get to know each other and, and whatever. I mean, it wouldn't have worked with the story because she had to buy the the thing that day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But no, it didn't work. It was kind of cute, the twist that she became a princess by yeah. marrying him. And then they, I thought that was kind of a, a clever bit. Yeah, I did like that a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's it feels like they, um, yeah, they jumped too quickly at the very end. So. Well, you know, I'm thinking they could have had her get a better place. You know, they have this, okay, we're going to wait a year for the next Mardi Gras. Then they get married. Then they turn back into human, and then she ends up getting a better place. Well, yeah, her learning to... And that would actually fit into her character growth, because she'd have to mm-hmm. learn to disconnect herself from her obsessive fantasy of that particular location, because her father was there and realized that there's better ways to fulfill his you know, his wishes his for dream. her yeah. life, yeah. right? Like, hmm. <laughs> well, I did really like dude, the end. I know we're probably yeah. off of things we like, but I did think that that was really... A satisfying conclusion for me mm. to have them dancing on the rooftop of their restaurant. Yeah, they all yeah. fit into nice. They all fit together pretty well. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I I was just thinking now. You know, if this was a story set in the modern times, they would have opened a food truck together. I watched that. Yeah, serving frog legs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like you'd think we'd be sympathetic towards frogs. No, this experience was horrid. And now we should burn the ball. <laughs> so it's really hard for someone who actually knows how history works. <laughs> films. Because in the 1920s, segregation was really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, worse. Like, I was reading an article about how in the 20s, it was actually worse than immediately after the slaves were released, like Song of the South era, because Jim Crow laws were being put into effect. Like, you could go to prison for an interracial relationship or marriage. So all those girls flirting with the prince at the beginning could have, like, had okay, wait. jail. Well, can we talk about this for one second? Was the prince supposed to be black, or was I, he supposed to be... That's another thing. Like, is he white? So. Like, commit. Um, no, here's the... Okay, here's the thing. So, I looked he this up. Like... Um, okay. Yeah, so the, he's the prince yeah. of Maldonia, which is a fictional country... Which right. is a portmanteau of the real life countries of the Maldives and Macedonia. Macedonia being in Greek, so I think he's meant to be sort of more Middle Easternish. That's, That's what I was thinking area. too. So technically, yeah. this is the first interracial Disney romance. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that they had gone with an African prince, to be honest. I think the movie would have been just as good with that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I think, I don't know. Or do you mean like a prince from Africa? Is that what Yeah, you mean? like a prince from Africa. Like Nigeria. Yeah. <laughs> like Black Panther. He Why are you laughing been. at Nigeria, you racist? Oh, yeah, nothing. Bad, Derek. She's coming to, to help her move money from his bank account. 
Okay, that oh. would solve some problems. He's an email scam. James he missed a point. <laughs> no, that's no, why um, I was. That's why I was laughing. Thank you very much. Don't call me a racist for getting the joke. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but my point. Okay, my point is this. It's the same problem I have with Song of the South. Well, you can look if you look at the Song of the South as an isolated thing. You're like, well, why is this movie racist? Like, it shows a happy black guy, bunch of happy kids, and they're just all getting along. Teaching white kids, which is unheard of. Right, it's totally at that time, fun. yeah. But the thing is, contextually, because of that portrayal of the relationships that were happening, that is whitewashing how it actually was mm. like it's great to look back at it idealistically and we can all pat ourselves on the back for being so inclusive and in applying our 20th century mindset to a time that was just frankly shitty for anyone that wasn't white in america but like that doesn't that's kind of worse right mm. like they, they hop tram he, or tiana and her mom and they just are on the tram. Like, if this were real, they'd have to go to the back of the tram. Or they'd have mm-hmm. to go or to be a segregated tram. Mm-hmm. You don't see any seg- – they were segregated places where people ate. Like, the, the affluent white couple – or the white – they weren't couple, sorry. The affluent white father and daughter mm-hmm. wouldn't have eaten at her place because of how segregation was. Like, they just would not have eaten there. Even if they liked them, there was such a cultural stigma, that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been a huge deal if they did. They wouldn't – they probably wouldn't have even invited her to be visible at the ball that she threw, even if she was serving and making cakes. Like, and that's not saying you, you can already say, oh, well, maybe her friends were more progressive. But the thing is, like, that was just a thing that just didn't happen. Like, it just did not happen. You can pretend they're being progressive all you want, but that is completely mm-hmm. fixed. Yeah. And so – and this portrayal of this era being this happy jazz thing where you know white people thought jazz was like the devil's music like <laughs> they were sick of music. like we laugh but that's how they that's how they viewed it like there, yeah. there are articles and people wrote newspaper articles about how it's the corruption of society and the negro is is destroying society through their their sinful ways and dance and music and so portraying it as this sort of happy-go-lucky experience kind of takes away from that era and now i know it's disney and i know that they're not going to show blatant you know racist interactions in their Mm -hmm. films but Mm. i do feel they could considering how much they were walking on eggshells with this film already i Mm. felt like they could have done a little better and i i do also feel and to be played devil's advocate it was kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't type situation yeah yeah um so there probably wasn't any real right answer yeah. In retrospect, I feel it would have been more kind of – I don't want to say progressive because people can take that however they want. But at least a, a more daring type film had they maybe shown or at least implied some of the actual racial tension that was going on at the time instead mm. of just completely racing it. Yeah, I think the closest – the most racist characters in the movie, the closest the movie gets to addressing it is the moment where the two realtors, who until that point had seemed perfectly pleasant to her, the moment where they said – you know, that they were giving it to someone else because they paid cash. And that's the only reason they give. But then they do mention, you know, uh, someone from your background wouldn't yeah. have um, succeeded there kind of thing. And so it's like, that's the closest you get to mm-hmm. the, to what was actually going on at the time. It's even, in, even in that sense, you could hand wave it as them addressing her socioeconomic status, not necessarily her yeah. race. It's right? yeah. The, 
And I mean, they do have the scene at the beginning where they go from the 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 big homes of the uh, white people to the mm-hmm. low to the lower end homes that they lived in, which you know you kind of get an idea of. Okay, they're ad- they're sort of showing a tiny bit of it, but very much this is this is kind of history as Disney would have wished it had have happened is what it feels like. Right, but it's still like, oh, it's okay that they're impoverished. They're still the happy-go-lucky black family that makes no money, but it's okay because they're still happy. And it's like, no. Like, Mm -hmm. people that lived in those types of houses in that era were starving. Like, Mm -hmm. and and were very highly segregated against. Like, it it almost is worse (laughs) that, that they don't address... And, you know, that's still a problem in America that most – that a good chunk of these types of, of neighborhoods are predominantly African-American. And that's a problem that needs to be looked at, not to pull modern politics into it. Mm-hmm. But, but it is worth realizing that there is a modern-day parallel, and so, like, that could taint your view of the modern day one way or another, well, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. It's so that- not to be, like – a on the defense but just like as an honest question do you guys think it's better to not make a movie like this i mean or pocahontas Mm. or whatever other you know problematic films we've discussed (laughs) is it better to just avoid that or is there a better way to have like princesses of color in your opinion um i mean here's the thing if you really want to have princesses of color like every every region in the world has their own myths and every Mm. region in the world has their own stories Mm. and if you want to be truly authentic to like these people's heritage i don't want to see these people in the driveway Mm. i'm obviously white it's not my heritage a different heritage than my own um mine from that like that's more i feel that's more Mm. respectful if Mm. you're person if you're directly going into a an era that has very dangerous racial, like really bad race relations. And Both Pocahontas and Princess of the Frog come to mind. Right. And, and Princess, Pocahontas, I feel, is more egregious because it's an actual historical event that they twisted to fit a Disney mold. This right. is just a setting that they twisted the fit to a Disney mold. Mm-hmm. Um, then you need to be really careful about how you kind of go through that. Like, to be completely mm-hmm. honest, this film could have had no white cast at all. Hmm. Like this film yeah. could have completely removed all white characters, and I think it would have still it would have might have even been better. Like in that way, I could kind of understand. Okay, we're not going to even show this racial interaction. We know it's a problem, so we're just going to completely omit it. And I mean, I can't say I'd be completely fine with that either, but I think I'd be more fine than you know showing the white the white and the black people just mm-hmm. living around being happy, and one of them is rich and affluent and throws money at the other one, the poor black girl. You know, like. If that makes sense, like, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think there was a way to do this that it would have probably been a PG, mm. <laughs> but they probably could have dug a little bit into what was going on there to at least make it feel like they weren't just completely. I thought annoying. this movie is PG. That's G. Yeah, Are you sure? Going to be it's G. Pretty certain know. it's G. But yeah, it's. Mm, I almost feel like there's no perfect way to tell this story with the parameters they set themselves, and certainly not. Um, in the setting that Disney Studios um, is, just because they're always going to be afraid of taking that kind of a risk. And so I kind of feel like the... I kind of feel like the better way to tell the movie would have been to address those, you know, how actual history happened back then, Mm -hmm. and to have that be part of the story, which 
well, you know, they, there's no chance they were ever going to do that. But no. also when you mentioned, when you mentioned, um, you know, sort of mining from local, um, from local stories, I would honestly love to see a Disney princess story set in Africa with humans. Or like Japan, like they have a very rich mythology, or China. Mm-hmm. I guess they did with Mulan, yeah. which worked out. She right? wasn't really a princess, but she is mm-hmm. according to Disney princess. So yeah. okay, it's good well. she's not a princess. I think yeah. she's fine. You know, like yeah. Mongolia has myths. India has some really fascinating yeah. myths. Like you, there, there is stuff out there that doesn't have to be westernized. I mean, I, I know understand. you haven't seen Moana, but I'm really curious about how your reaction is going to be for that because it is. Yeah, uh, Musker and Clements again. Yeah, and, and they doing what you're talking about, mm-hmm. taking like the myths from the culture, and then you know, kind of avoiding some of these problematic areas. I've seen chunks of that film to know there's a very large Western influence that kind of distorts it to fit the Disney oh. mold. And there's always going to be a Western influence on these films, though. I know. And, yeah, sure. And I'm not necessarily going to pass judgment on Moana because I haven't I uh, will have to see it all the way through before I pass that judgment. Mm. And I understand that's just a necessary evil to market a film in the West. Like that makes <laughs> sense. Mm. Um but yeah, I do admit you do hit this kind of Dan for Dan Joe, even with that, because then it could be like, well, you're just westernizing these people's heritage to make money because you're Disney. Anyway, yeah. that, that's a I don't want to be on my soapbox because I don't hate the movie for this. I just want to point yeah. that out. And I well I, I just feel like something that you should be aware of watching the film and not ignore and yeah. it's totally fine to enjoy the film because of it it's totally fine during the setting before i'm not passing judgment on anyone's opinions here i, I promise yeah but I, I feel like it needs to be said yeah mm. i think i think the reason why this does better than um, pocahontas because this uses a setting and glosses over aspects of that setting in history but it's telling a different story that is separate from the issues while pocahontas was entirely about the issues yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it does, because with Pocahontas, when you're trying to talk about the issues and you gloss over the, you know, what actually happened during that time, you kind of have a weak premise. The story wouldn't take place exactly if if you didn't talk about the issues in that movie. Yeah, yeah. This movie, yeah this this movie, The Princess and the Frog. In a world where that magical stuff could happen, this feels like a story that could happen in the Disney version of the setting. Or in the real life version of the setting, sure, sort of. I mean, the, with some exceptions of how people yeah, would react because... to each other, but okay, yeah, you know, like, um... it feels more believable, maybe, sort of. Um, I'm believable. So the magic made it more feel believable. I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I brought this up, but I'm done talking about that okay. specific element. If anyone else, yeah. if you um, feel free to add something, if. You don't. Yeah, no, that's should be done. That's pretty much it. Um, with any other You're negatives, about the Firefly. Yes. Oh yeah, the Firefly. <laughs> I hate the fire. Okay, so that entire is that's like the second half of the second act and like the beginning of the third act mm. felt so much weaker than the rest of the movie, and I was sad because I was really excited to watch them interact as frogs. Yeah. And I felt like the Firefly bit, and especially the frog catcher bit, which came out of nowhere and uh-huh. did nothing for the movie except have slapstick comedic relief felt I don't, it made the pacing weird because they just escaped from an, a weird situation of them being attacked with by alligators and then they escape a situation where their tongues are tied together weirdly and then frog catchers but why though it feels Unclear. like 
Yeah. Unclear. Feels like um, they needed something there, and they're like, well, we've but got... They, they yeah. could have done, I think as Nathan pointed out, the interactions is what needed to be happening at that point. Yeah. Like the, the frogs needed to be talking, getting to know each other, that kind of stuff. Mm. And, th- and less... Yeah, I think that is... Out. I think that is a victim of the fact that it is aimed at a younger audience. And well, they could have had environmental hazard be the issue and not some random thing that happened, yeah. right? Like, I think of the Emperor's New Groove and, like, the issues that come up with them as they, you know, traverse and as their relationship grows. And the large chunk of it is environmental and damages by the, you know, karma based on the lead character being David Spade and a huge dick. So you could have and, had problems that happened because of the prince's yeah. character flaws or because of Tiara's character flaws and had She's them resolved. like, we're going to work through this, and there's just no way to work through it. <laughs> right, or she persists in something that she should just give up on or try – you know, something like that that would be the correct answer. And then you have moments of character growth instead of nothing, which is why I consider the whole frog catching scene. Yeah. Which really drags the whole movie down. Like you could cut that whole part of the movie and it would be might be – Really short. It would be as short as Winnie the Pooh, probably. But it would still – it would be better, I feel. Yeah. It's – yeah. I Honestly, when the frog catches showed up this time around, I did not remember them from the first time I watched it. I've only seen this movie two times, but it's a bad sign if I can remember the majority of the movie, or at least the high points, from seeing it, like, oh, geez, many years ago. But then there's that one part where I just did not remember that at all. I felt like I, Mama Odie was pretty weak too. Because she didn't really she didn't do much. Do anything. Like yeah. if if she had been more central to the plot somehow, great. You know, if she's going to be like the genie character, which is I think maybe what they were going for, I'm not really or, even or sure. Or if they known about her before just being told by a random alligator that she existed, like mm-hmm. or like if her. they started going for after her as soon as they Or like if she was a patron of the bakery and she mentioned her crazy old ways and she, I was like, "Oh, you're a crazy voodoo, voodoo lady. I don't believe any of that stuff." And then later she's like, "Oh crap, that's the only person who could help us." Yeah. Like you could have set her up in a way that made her feel more in, like woven into the yeah. plot i think so i'm imagining mom odie actually visiting the bakery i'm like that's a terrifying thought this woman coming in with the cobra and like hey what's <laughs> up guys yeah. i'm a voodoo witch <laughs> and i'm here to pick up my scones hmm. yeah i think Great. i think my biggest problem with it is that halfway through the movie their goal is to get to her they get to her and it doesn't accomplish anything besides Having them Go send back. right back where they started. Yeah. yeah it's like Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Only Mad Max Fury Road is awesome. Because that's part of the point. I don't really care that they have to go back in Mad Max Fury Road because it led to another chase scene. <laughs> and this one, it led to them sitting on a boat. Yeah. And awkward marriage proposals that, yeah, I didn't really buy. How did Tiana know to break the amulet? Uh, I, I there's the, also, there's the scene where she sees... But doesn't fake, he say something about the amulet having his blood in it? Yeah, but I don't know if she heard that. No. I thought she did, maybe. Well, there's also a scene where Tiana is, like, sees her dumb friend, who I hate, and I'm Starlet. just not gonna... Marrying fake prince, and she gets all sad about it. But she knew he was fake, because early on, when she sees the frog prince back at the party, she says, if you're the prince, who's that dancing with my... Stupid friend. So she knew that was a fake. Yeah. 
that what was crap, idiot. <laughs> that was easily the weakest. Straight. That was easily the easily the weakest part of the movie, or at least for me, especially. It that, especially yeah, it was that tropey misunderstanding mm-hmm. thing that, and yeah. they tried to shoehorn it in badly. So yeah, I go ahead like, there. yeah, yeah especially, one more time. yeah, especially since um, Ray, you know, Firefly immediately points out, wait a minute, that can't be right. If he's human, how are you still a frog? And that's something she should have realized. And I'm, then she still it, it, she still was all mopey about it. Yeah. It's like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can understand what they were going for. She was oh, emotional in the moment, but she wasn't ever portrayed as the kind of character that would have such a lapse in judgment because of her emotions. Because yeah, of the how prince would do that. That seems like something his character would do. Okay, now that's actually a really funny idea to have the prince, like, think that somehow she'd become a human and he thinks that she's bailed on him. <laughs> I like that idea a lot, actually. Because she's, about, because she's standing on the float about to marry her, her friend. Oh, that was the other thing I thought was going to happen, was when Grandma... Baba Yaga was like, you have to kiss a princess. I thought she meant both of them did. I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's going to be great. They can have an interracial, same gender kiss in a Disney movie, except one was a frog. But, no, it didn't happen. Interspecies? <sighs> yeah, interspecies. So the first interspecies since Belle and Beast. First interspecies, interracial, same gender kiss in a Disney movie. <laughs> oh, wow. That'd be amazing. But yeah. it's um, so Oprah's in this movie. I she? just wanted to point it out. She's the mom. Yeah, she's the mom. That was Oprah? Yeah. Surprise! Huh. I mean, Surprise. she didn't stand out as being a fantastic performance, but it was serviceable. But you didn't know it was There's Oprah. There's been, like, no. the third act. You did know the gorilla was Rosie O'Donnell. You didn't know that. True. And you knew the cow was Roseanne. She yeah. did. So Oprah wins. In that, yes. In that aspect, Oprah. yes. Yes, she does. Oprah always wins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You like get a movie. You get a movie. And <laughs> you get a gorilla. And you get a cow. <laughs> you get a frog. Everyone gets a frog. Yeah. I oh, wait, I have a question. So, do we all kind of think the third act conflict, just in general, was kind of eh. like a boring weekend? It was. Not it didn't feel strongest. climactic like a lot of other Disney films do. I think it's because the. Tiana and Naveen's story did not seem to tie into Dr. whatever his name is. Dr. Robot. Facilier. Facilier, there we go. Yes, Dr. Wiley. Like that's why Jasmine and Aladdin and Jafar worked so well. They all had, you know, similar goals or, you know, polar opposite but similar goals and it all tied up into one finale. In this there's like Yeah. Yeah, two, two stories running I, parallel. They kind of intersect at a point, but then they gotta both get back to what they're doing. Yeah. And Doctor Facilia's story, to me, does not end satisfactorily because it's like, oh, and P.S. There's like, you know, the worst thing ever out there. But yeah, you guys go and worry about your marriage. Yeah, right, even like, yeah, Beast and Gaston and Bell all were good foil. Like they all work together as foils. Yeah. Even Clayton and Jane and Tarzan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hades and Meg and well, not Hercules really, but like, yeah, yeah there was. Their stories were converging. This one felt like parallel, and then like, oh, we got to meet up. Yeah, and I think with Aladdin and, and Jasmine and Jafar, the strongest thing was that they all either want, they all basically wanted something from the other. Where Jafar wanted Aladdin because he could get him the lamp. Jasmine wanted to get rid of Jafar, and um, Aladdin, well. 
I'd imagine the heart of Jasmine. Yeah, I was and, gonna say Aladdin wanted Jasmine. The thing yeah. is, what you're looking for. And well, yeah, and to a certain extent, I imagine he probably didn't feel bad about getting even with Jafar. Right. No. And so, well, yeah. and I was just thinking, even on like a non-romance, Pacha and Cusco and Isma's story is so tied up with each other mm. that their ending convergence makes sense. This one doesn't. Well, so what are you talking? What are, what are you talking about? All counts. It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I just felt like the whole third act was kind of fizzled. Could have been better. I definitely there. We were missing a connection between Facilier and um, and Tiana. Like that, mm. I think would have really strengthened it, especially, and it would have explained why he knew what she wanted at the end. Well, he's like, a fortune teller. That kind well, of made yeah. sense. Yeah, to but me. what if he went up to her and like offered her to obtain the place she wanted for a price or something, you yeah. know, like and she refused kind of... him, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, well, I mean, she does. Well, yeah, that but I mean... That's literally what happened. Well, yeah, but I mean, earlier on, like, you know, he tried like, to make the her very, the same very offer. Beginning. Oh, yeah, there should before have been some, some sort of Before anything else has happened, you know, like, she meets him on the street and he's like, I can get you that property. And she's like, eh, you're a creep. Or, Do you want to talk to your father or something? Like, and, mm. nah, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, something something where his interaction with her was earlier before Ooh. Naveen came into the picture. That actually would have been a, gr- or even for the climax, that would have been great if he had of you know summoned either her father's spirit or some a spirit faking to be her father's spirit, and then you know use well, that against her. It's because his motivation's dumb. Like he wants to get a bunch of money off this random prince who has no money. Yeah, I don't. The prince to marry someone who has money. And then well, kill him and get money. Like, what? Why do you even? Well, you, you for, do so he can give it to demon masks. Yeah, like you, what? Do you get the kind of sense that he has a grudge or vendetta against Big Daddy, um, which that feels. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Really? I didn't get that either. I don't know. It, it it almost feels like maybe if they'd been a little more true to the real historical setting, that was would have been something they could have played around with. Yeah, but then if it was some racial thing, then racism would have lost because Big Daddy won. So I don't know if you mm. want to do that. No, it, no. Well, yeah. well, no. Well, yeah, fair Yeah, fair enough. That would have been a weird angle to take. But um, Since this has gone on probably longer than some of our full episodes, should we wrap this up and um, move on to the next movie? Just about. Yeah. I have one last thing that I disliked. The uh, ending with, uh, what was it, Charlotte? Mm-hmm. And the whole Naveen's younger brother and her being, well, I've waited this long, was really, really, really creepy. Oh. Like, I was just yeah, like... She's weird and creepy, so it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought, okay, creepy, but I wasn't, like, turned off. I mean, I saw a joke coming for it. seven miles away, but, mm. yeah. I don't know, it's still, yeah. for me, it felt weird, but... Okay. Or at least made him, like, 12 or something, like, closer in age, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, final thoughts in brief since this has gone on for too long anyway. James, show us how it's done. I really enjoyed this film a lot more than I expected to, and I would watch it again, which is more than I can say for quite a few of the films on this list. Mm-hmm. How many stars, dingbat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really uh, productive. I'm going to give it four stars. I'm going to be generous tonight. Whoa! I don't know what's going on, but yes, I'm giving it four stars. Good mood, unlike last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Derek. Yeah, I 
despite the fact that I had a slightly different view of it this time around compared to the first time, overall, I really like this movie. There's a lot I like about it, and a lot of the weaknesses I can forgive, um, just in terms of, well, they only have so long to work with. So I'll give it a four as well. Uh, a lot of what I like about this film, I feel, is surface level, hmm. which to me makes it hard for me to want to rewatch it. It's gorgeous, the song's okay, but the middling half of the second half and the third act really kind of irked it a lot. This is why I wish we had half stars, but I made the rules, so I'm not allowed to complain. So hmm. I'd probably just give it a three. It's not bad. I, I mean, it's better than most of the – not most, but it's better than a lot of the stuff we watch on the show. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't really think it hits a upper echelon. It's to me, it's like about Hercules-ish, like in terms of rewatchability for me. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's stick it on this stupid list that ah, yes. is, is objectively bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, I'm gonna start at like eight, which is Great Mouse Detective. Yeah. Does that seem like a good place to start reading this off? And read maybe five of them. All right, so eight is Great Mouse Detective, nine is Tarzan, ten is Hercules, eleven is Rescuers Down Under, twelve is Treasure Planet, and then Little Mermaid, which we somehow put beneath Treasure Planet. Thank uh, you, Derek. You're my favorite. <laughs> I, I mean, in my heart, I know that's right, but in my Twitter feed and podcast followers, I know that's wrong. Um, so where? <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as Atlantis. I don't think it's like in that echelon. No. I think the middle is pretty good. Yeah. So between Great Mouse Detective, Tarzan, Hercules, Rescue Star, and Treasure Planet, where do you think it would live? Um, for me, My I'd initial say... reaction is on number 11, between Hercules and Rescuers. You like Hercules I, I, could even let it, I could go let it go up a couple, too. Hmm. It'd be fine. Yeah, I was thinking... In the like, Great Mouse Detective Tarzan Hercules area. Yeah. yeah. I could... I think I'd like it more than Tarzan. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I would place it... I'd say between Tarzan and Hercules. I feel bad for the rescuers down under because I really like that movie, but it keeps getting pushed down the list. I could... I think that's... I could live with that. It was either going to be above or below yeah. Tarzan. That was yeah. kind of where I was getting sunk. Mm. But if we yeah. like it below Tarzan, I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, I think Tarzan and Jane, their relationship trumps this film. Mm. In my mind. Yeah. And it does have a song that won an Academy Award. Yeah. And O'Donnell it- is a monkey. <laughs> Not Roseanne. <laughs> Not Roseanne. Nathan's stupid. Um... All right, that seems pretty good. So we have just in that area eight Great Mouse Detective, nine Tarzan, and then at a solid ten is Princess and the Frog. Yeah, I, I think that's where it goes. I feel better about that placement than some other placements we've made. Yeah, I'm starting to think Temper's New Groove is a little high, but you know, too late. Let's just what oh, is wow. dead ever die? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. No one listens to this podcast anyway. So just, give a couple of friends, so. just like people we know. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk about Winnie the Pooh, the the gritty reboot, because it's <laughs> one of those things that uses the same name as other things yeah. as the title. Mm. So Winnie the Pooh is barely a movie because it's only an hour long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's based like 50 on... minutes long with 10 minutes of uh, credits at the end. 
Yeah, the general story is uh, Pooh needs food, Eeyore needs a tail, Christopher mm-hmm. Robin goes to school, everyone misinterprets Owl's inability to read as foreseeing a giant monster, they attempt to trap the monster, there is no monster, Chris Robin or is there? Says y'all bunch of y'all bunch of crazy dumbasses. That's then, literally you coming and finding Derek and I, though. And then Pooh eats some honey. Yep. That's the movie. John Cleese narrates. Mm. Yeah. And Jim makes like forty-seven voices. <laughs> so he is uh, the cast of Winnie the Pooh. This is kind of based off of a book, uh, yeah. the a bit, but they yeah. added the Christopher Robin leaving. It's worth pointing out, this is just called Winnie the Pooh in 2011. There are a billion Winnie the Pooh movies. Like, there's a Piglet movie, there's a Tigger movie, there's a Heffalump movie. Those are all in, like, Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher mm-hmm. Robin. Those are all degenerate trash, and that's not what we're talking about. Hmm. We're talking about the 20th like the actual Disney animated film. Mm-hmm. Well, right. So yeah. We'll have- I know Derek's seen this before because I remember when it was in theaters, he went and saw it and then told me about it. So I want you to tell me all about you rewatching it there. Did I see it in theaters? Yes, you told yes. me. You said you liked it. Yep. Yes, I did like it. Um, Do you still like it? I do still like it. It is, I mean, Winnie the Pooh, I grew up watching the some of the movies. Um, I watched many episodes of the TV show. Um, as a young kid, I really liked it, and I feel that this movie is very faithful and probably one of the better stories they've told, although to a certain extent, I can't escape the feeling that they've told part of this story somewhere else before, like the whole Christopher Robin goes to school and everyone wonders, where is he? And they go on and That was literally the plot to Pooh's Grand Adventure, where, because I've seen yeah. that movie. Where he says went to school, and they think it says skull, and they go on a big journey and go to big and skull rock. Looking out for the skullosaurus. Yeah, yeah, and it's and effing awful. Yeah, and the backs. Uh, and... That's a great film. What are you saying? It's only two point two points less on IMDb, so maybe I'm just full of crap. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, finish yeah. your thoughts, Derek. Yeah, and the backs and feels a lot like the uh, heffalumps and woozles to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. and it's racist against gingers. <laughs> Yeah. Because if gingers are not a race, this is a, this is a very... And also, Derek, wrap up final thoughts. Yeah. That was it. He's done. Yeah. This is a very oh, okay. racially charged week for us here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about my, my Winnie the Pooh backstory. I love it. I love <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Okay. So I read all the books as a kid. I loved them. And all of E.E. Climbs, I believe it was. I read all his other books. I read everything that guy wrote. I loved him. I loved the... Many adventures, like the original yeah. ones that were based off of the books. Mm-hmm. I abhorred the new adventures, which were the ones when they went off books and Disney tried to write it. We had a couple VHS tapes of those, and I like hate is a too weak a word. I felt they completely ruined the source material, and it was just trash. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like eighty percent many adventures and twenty percent new adventures. And I'm okay with that. So, yeah. and I never. Well, that's really generous of you. I never seen it before. Um, it was it was charming. I like. It was nice to see these characters again after not watching anything with them since I was like ten. Um, 
and John Cleese was in it. So I mean, that was great. It was it was completely acceptable, and <laughs> I liked it. Hmm. And it felt like the old cartoons, which is the mm-hmm. biggest compliment I can give. Probably because the better half of it, which is the Eeyore's tail bit, was based off of a book. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I do remember reading. I think I'm pretty certain I've read that one. Yeah, and it ends the same where Owl just stole it because Owl is like the arch villain mm. of the Pooh universe. <laughs> Owl really is, though. Yeah. James, we need your initial thoughts. I don't remember when I first saw this movie. I've seen it several times since it came out because it's one of the few movies my niece uh, watches and enjoys. Uh, And I also agree with Nathan that I really enjoy how much it feels like the original movie and less like the new stuff. Um, It was really fun rewatching it. It felt like kind of a kick of nostalgia in the stomach and I needed that. So. Hmm. Also, Pooh falls into a pit of madness, <laughs> which is dark and amazing. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole movie is where Pooh just loses it out of his starvation and hunger for honey. His, his honey obsession. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everyone just starts saying honey. It's like something out of Silent Hill. It's freaking terrifying. <laughs> and then he goes into a honey nightmare dream and sees honey clones of himself and bites their heads off. It's amazing. <laughs> Who is? Who don't give no craps, man? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of honey, I love the way they animate honey in the Winnie the Pooh stuff because it looks so delicious. And then you look and taste actual honey, and you're like, "Why would I eat this on its own? It needs to be on something." <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Derek, there's, there's honeycomb. You can eat it with honeycomb. Honeycomb is tasty. Yeah. Are on positives? Is that what's going on here? I feel like we're on positives. Backgrounds of this movie look incredible. Oh yeah. Yeah, it looked like the old stuff. I loved it. Mm -hmm. The fact that it was done by the real animation studio and not their knockoff television Disney Toon Studios, I think, really shows you the difference. Because, I mean, as a kid, I didn't really know the difference between, and Nathan clearly did, Mm. but between, like, the new adventures versus many adventures versus, like, those spinoff movies that all went to the theater that weren't really, you know, real animation (laughs) studios. Mm -hmm. And then you watch this one, and you're like, oh, that's what Winnie the Pooh should look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, it is it is very much, yeah, it looks smooth and fluid, and it lo- it is, it's very much a modern interpretation of the classic uh, movie. So, I think it works on yeah. multiple levels. Like, there are jokes in there that work for adults, and but the story is easy enough that a kid yeah. can watch it, not you know, oh. yes. get lost. Speaking of and, which, the bit with I loved the bit with the knot. It was like I cannot. Oh, so you can not? No, I cannot not. <laughs> I thought that was that was fantastic. It was like a little. It was a little play on who's on second or I don't know. I was so happy that owl flew out and they yeah. came back. Yes. and then they're just like, what owl. a good speech. That's <laughs> 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 like. That's good. I was, I'm glad they hung a lantern on it. Yeah. I was worried about that. Yeah. That's one of the best bits in this whole film, oh, I think. That Alil just, you know, flying out of the hole and then flying back in. Yeah. Or still stuck. <laughs> or the bit where they're, you know, they think that they've got the backs and then everyone's like, oh no, I couldn't possibly go. I'm too important. Oh no, I'm with Child. And just Rue, the delivery is just fantastic. He's like, send the pig. I was like, man, Rue is vicious. 
I'm glad they incorporated the it being part of a book, which yeah. is what they took. That's how yeah. you can tell the new adventures, by the way, is they don't they, they don't tie the book. They don't in. have a book. Yeah, yeah. they're not based on the actual text. And so I really like well, that's why the wordplay like the cannot works because it's like that they have just tons of word jokes and word references and visually they're inside the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like I love Eeyore. Oh yeah, I Eeyore I was Rabbit, fantastic. Of I yeah. sent you guys a joke in the chat that was my favorite part of the movie. I'm gonna see if I can find it. About Eeyore? About Eeyore. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Eeyore's one of those characters that I find myself relating to more and more as time goes by. This is this the voice of Piglet was still the original Piglet, right? Was it? I don't know. Or is this one after he passed away? Pooh was the original. Hmm. No, Jim Cummings did Pooh. I thought Jim Cummings did Pooh in the original. No, he did it in the New Adventures when he did Pooh. Oh. No. It was uh, Ernest something. He did Ka, the snake. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, okay. The line was, they finally give Eeyore's tail back, and he goes through all these motions that it works, and they're like, oh, so are you happy, Eeyore? And he's like, no. <laughs> just did <laughs> dead stop. I'm like, no. Yeah, Eeyore, you're the best. You're so funny. Yeah. Honestly, Tigger um, used to be my favorite. Of he course. was a little... He, me too. He was a little abrasive in this film, I thought. He was. Yeah. It's felt like... Felt more like somebody that knew the basic character of Tigger and then tried to compensate for it. Yeah, that was the 20% new adventures, was like when they take these characters to a little too much of an extreme. Like, yeah. the original stuff was light and whimsical, intentionally so. Like, there wasn't a whole lot there. The characters were intentionally kind of a little thin. I mean, there's stuffed animals for crying out loud. Yeah. And it was just side of the innocence of youth and, like, this imaginary story. It's when they try and supercharged you know tigger's not only hyperactive he's crazy and makes eeyore be crazy because eeyore's sad and like stuff like that Mm. feels and like owl is kind of a presumptuous ass and like (laughs) let's make him a super presumptuous ass and just like and make him read things wrong because that happens all the time in the book and make it cause this huge problem and it's like in the book if he if owl read something wrong it caused kind of a little small problem where in here it's the crux of like the main issue and it feels if that that felt new adventures to me yeah instead of and they even hang a lantern on it with the song we'll be back soon and i was like back soon huh that sounds like back soon and so it's also yeah yeah that is a good joke yeah (laughs) but yeah i think one thing that i noticed was that I don't know if I'm 100% right in this, but it felt like certain characters like Owl and uh, Rabbit felt a bit out of character compared to the way I remembered them. Yeah, they're ramped up. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, Pooh being yeah. super hungry all the time is Pooh ramped up. Piglet yeah. being Piglet was like the only one that felt most accurate to the original, but him freaking out more than he would in the original show where he was just kind of timid is amping his character yeah. up, right? Like, but everybody I also think amped up. This is a step back from where they were on the cartoons that are not from, you know, the feature animation. Yeah, absolutely. It's and so I think that's why it works for me is because 
while it is, you know, a step above where they were in the 60s when they made the original shorts and then, you know, put them together for the full movie in the 70s, this is not like what it was in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah. I think you misspoke when you said it was a step up from the 70s. A step, well, so the, the original... Oh, you mean like the characters are amped up, not like the show's better? Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't think this is better than the many adventures. No, no, I'm saying that the characters being amped up, like, you know, supercharged Tigger. Yeah. It's a step down from where Tigger was from right. the 80s to the This, this is like the Star it, Trek Beyond versus the original Star Trek reboot. Yes. Where they toned yeah. it down to a level that feels still modern and a little overdone, but more akin to the original, whereas the Star mm-hmm. Trek reboot felt completely, especially the second movie, felt completely out of place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, was that- How's that for a great analogy that no one gets or cares about? <laughs> what a good yeah. podcast. Good that job, was mate. almost as good as Snow Dogs, but Derek still wins. Nothing's <clears throat> as good as Snow Dogs. Uh, yeah, was anyone else freaked out by Christopher Robin's eyes? No. No? Really? He did look different. They look different, but it's fine. Well, yeah, that's If you go back and watch the one from, like, the originals, Kanga's eyes change throughout the movie. Hmm. So, I mean, this is, this is a standard. Fair, fair But yeah. Mr. Robin's pupils were, like, the size of fists. Yeah. (laughs) And not only that, but they, he, you could, he had, his eyes had white, where in the originals it was more, the style of it was the color of his skin was his eyes and then the black you mean his eyes were black his uh, eyes were black but it didn't have any whites um where it would have been did not have whites in his eyes you're right so yeah so that was a bit of that i mean it didn't look bad it just was an adjustment compared to the last time i'd seen the character i guess we're on negatives (laughs) yeah i mean that's not a very long section honestly any negative actually watch the very very end after the credits? No. Is no. there something after the credits? There is. The Baxon shows up for reals. Oh. Well, they... alright, I hate it now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I vaguely remember that from the first time I saw it. I didn't watch it this time. I was just curious, because I was like, I bet Nathan would not have liked to actually see the Baxon. Yeah, those dang gingers. Yeah. Right I mean, the Baxon was nice, if it makes you feel better. Uh, but you're not really a nice ginger either, so I don't know if that make you feel better. Well, that's just rude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it kind of feels like with the Heffalumps and Woozles again, where originally they were just a kind of a figment of their imagination, but then in the in the uh, new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, they became real. Yeah, it's freaking stupid. Yeah, so it's it's a weakness of of that. It's the part. new stuff. Well. Yeah. I thought it was more of a joke watching yeah. at the end. He just shows up and he's like, oh, someone's going to get hurt with all this stuff left all around here. And he starts like picking it up and falls in the hole. <laughs> and then he's like, Lol! you're Lol. such a jerk. What? Why am I a jerk? You're, you're mean to the ginger Baxon. I'll F him. Uh, <laughs> he's allowed to be mean to the ginger yeah. Baxon. I changed my mind. Maybe this is 30% new. Actually, which <laughs> kind of makes me sad, but that's okay. Yeah, I think honestly, if, uh, I, a negative is I felt the film plotted a little in um, parts, which is I, crazy considering how short it is. Yeah, I was like, is this movie like almost done? And it was like halfway through, I'm like it's only been thirty minutes. Like really? Yeah, it. I never felt that way. I should rewatch the original 
cartoons. Like, but I never felt that way. I never felt that way about them. I felt they. I think it's because the original is three distinct stories. This one, you know, tried to make it one story. Yeah, I think that works. And I also feel like. See, the thing with making the characters supercharged is you start expecting more out of the story than just this whimsical little adventure of them falling in a hole, right? Mm. Like, and that to me kind of is why I don't like, didn't like the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh is by ramping mm-hmm. up the characters, they had to ramp up the story and then it gets just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like, and some of them are just completely ridiculous. I'm trying to remember the the ones we watched as a kid. And I'm pretty sure I blotted them out of my memory because I can't recall anything. But like... They just have to amp them up. And so the whimsical bits of this film felt at odds with their slightly too jacked up main characters. And if they had toned mm-hmm. them down and just made it kind of a cozy little – like a, a you know, it's like a warm cinnamon roll of a movie hmm. that like you just kind of enjoy the experience and you don't expect much out of it. I think that would have worked better because that's kind of the feel you got from the originals. Yeah. But since they didn't do that, it felt like it plotted. Because well, it felt yeah. like there was supposed to be something that happened in this movie, and literally nothing does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, That would have been okay if they didn't make it – they didn't build the film like something was supposed to happen. Yeah, I think, honestly, speaking about you know building things up too high and overturning the characters, I think a good example of that was from the many uh, – from the new adventures. Was there was like an episode where Tigger goes on this bend where he's, I think, the masked Avenger, and he's basically like – a cross between Zoro and a musketeer and he goes around quote unquote saving people to the point where everyone else gets so annoyed with him that they make a giant monster and fill it with goo so that he gets stuck in it when he attacks it and then they all get stuck the in talk it. baby story. Well, why, so, why are we even talking about this? Well, I'm talking about it because there's a good example of how ridiculous these stories can get. Oh, if you I got overblow lost. Them. Yeah. Uh, this was not in the movie because I would have remembered this. Yeah. Welcome to the experience <laughs> of watching the show. <laughs> like, why? Why were you watching this, Derek? I don't understand. Because I was a kid. <sighs> I watched the piglet that would be king. What? I'm tra- looking through the episode list, I'm trying to find the new great ma- the great mouse detective. <laughs> the great mouse detective. I watched the Christmas one. Um. I watched the one where it's Christopher Robin gets a new, like, toy, and they all like, recognize that it's a toy, and he's, like, a better toy than them, and they keep talking about how they're toys, and I got really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like Hobbs and toys. Toy. Yeah, they talk about how they're toys. Ugh. I remember one yeah. where Rabbit feels unwanted, so he leaves and he goes to a toy shop, so that maybe Same. he'll be bought, bought by someone that you know, appreciates more. Or... This is literally the story of my life, guys. There's another one where they're like watching a scary movie and like, oh, he has a knife and Piglet's like, oh no, and Tigger is, oh, it's just a butter knife and Piglet. It's like, oh no, the poor butter. It is the Piglet who would be king. They go to the land of milk and honey to get poo honey and they're all Piglets and they make Piglet their king and they have a volcano that's full of honey. <laughs> Why... Okay, nope, we're just not going to go there. It's effing worst. This movie is really good, and it's made better by the fact that it's not one of these spinoffs. Yeah, it's not the Piglet who would be king, so it's totally fine. Or the Tigger movie, or Piglet's big movie. Yeah, Yeah. or any of that other bullcrap. 
Yeah, because I think people would be forgiven for expecting... And John Cleese is in it. I'm going to keep saying that. too. Yeah. I think people could be forgiven for thinking this movie would be bad because of everything else Winnie the Pooh has been in recent years. But no, it's really good. If you love the originals, if you love the books, I'd say this is a pretty fair addition. Yeah, I would agree to that. So. Yeah, it's it's it was better than I thought it was going to be because I thought it was going to be the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Derek, that sounded like it was your final thoughts. Do you want to give it a rating? Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. James um, wants podcast to end. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we've talked over two hours, you guys. It's only been an hour and a half. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to give it a four. Uh, it's kind of on a slightly different scale because I hold it at a slightly different standard than the Princess and the Frog, but. My, it was a four enjoyment for me. James. I'm going to continue the generosity streak and give it a five. Hmm. Crazy. I am crazy. Are you I'm, crazy? I'm feeling uh, generous tonight, unlike my typical rabbit hoard everything self. Um, uh. Yeah, I feel like this movie did everything it needed to, and I had a really good time watching it, and I'd be happy to watch it again. Well, I want to give it a three. Do it. I feel bad. It's not... Because I'm really glad that Disney, finally, at the very end of making terrible poo things, made what pun intended, (laughs) made a decent one. I'm glad. It's not like Piglet's Spin movie that makes you want to blow my brains out or home the range. But it still feels like they... Even after all that time, they just they still didn't get Winnie the Pooh. They still just couldn't quite get it. That's and fair. If it, it, it really made me want to watch the original ones because I remembered how much I loved them and how much I they again they're like a warm cinnamon roll or a warm blanket. You just kind of they kind of just make you feel okay. And this movie almost did it, but it just didn't quite do it for me. And I was actually kind of bored during part of it, which is sad because it's an hour long. Hmm. So you get three Disney, three and a half if I could. You get an A for effort. Well, you get a B plus for effort. Hmm. You didn't F up Pooh. You didn't make him go to a land of piglets that make Piglet their king in a volcano that erupts honey. It scares me that you saw that. and that I saw it many know. times. It was the one VHS of the new Adventures of Winnie the Poop we had. So... All right, we have mixed ratings, but I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say if though all that aside, I would not hesitate to show this movie to younger children. Mm-hmm. I think they would oh, really, yeah. I think they'd really enjoy it. I think it's it's good. I mean, I'd probably first show them the other poo stuff, but I could add this to their collection and not want to kill myself like if I added new adventure stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like there's the these two films of Winnie the Pooh are the only ones that I would be interested in letting my kids watch. Yeah, yeah. Really on the list. List. Mm-hmm. This is getting a little more complicated because I liked it a lot, but yeah, I keep looking at the list. And I'm like, well, um, I mean, is it in kind of the same neighborhood as the Princess and the Frog? I put it between Hercules and Rescuers Down Under. No, okay. I put it between Rescuers Down Under and Treasure Planet. I'm fine with either yeah. of those places. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I, I can see that. Although, yeah. Although that does put it above The Little Mermaid, which kind of blows my mind. It's better than The Little Mermaid. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, there's a... To be fair, if you did not see any poo at all in a vacuum, I feel like you might not get as much out yeah. of this movie. I don't know, because you might not have seen it. 
But for me, I have more nostalgia for Pooh than I do for Little Mermaid. Like, that was an mm-hmm. integral part of my childhood, and I'm glad they did it right, even if yeah. I slammed it and gave it three stars. So, mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, that's your shtick, Nathan. you got to slam things, so... I have to come on and slam and welcome to the jam. Our listeners would expect nothing less. Hey, you, what you gonna do? Yeah, she would be disappointed otherwise. <laughs> the one listener we have yeah. besides ourselves. <laughs> like, the three listeners, James, Eric, and Nathan, while listening to it while editing. <laughs> wow. Yep. So let's read off the list, shall we? We shall. We shall. Does someone else want to read it this week? I'll do it. All right. Good. Then prove it. Starting at number one, we have Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Thank you, Derek. The The Lion King. Thank you, Derek. (laughs) I'll never live it down. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Thank you, Derek. Mulan, (laughs) The Emperor's New Groove. Thank you, David Spade. Lilo and Stitch. Oh, you thank David Spade. Thank you, David Goodman. John Goodman? Johnny Goodman. Dang it. (laughs) You did this. Uh, Great Mouse Detective, Tarzan. Yeah, at eight. Tarzan, number nine. Uh, Princess and the Frog at number ten. Hercules at eleven. The Rescue is Down Under at twelve. Winnie the Pooh at thirteen. Treasure Planet at fourteen. The Little Mermaid at number fifteen. Atlantis Thanks. the Lost. <laughs> Let me at least read it first. Atlantis the Lost Empire at six. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, you're you're welcome. Okay. Also, can I just point out while we're at Atlantis? Hold on. Fred said I should dress up as Milo for a cosplay. Eh. No one cares. Keep going. <laughs> wow, you're so messed up. Oliver and Company at seventeen. I thought I was going to dress up as Milo. Pocahontas at eighteen. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> Brother Bear at oh, 19. Nice. Thank you, Phil Collins. <laughs> Home on the Range at 20. Thank you, Roseanne. <laughs> yeah. Zia Thank you, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, this is on IMDb Fun Fact, Hitler's favorite movie was Home on the Range. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a split second, I thought this was going to be real. And I was right. <laughs> yeah, you are. This is a historical fact. It's not fake news. Um, okay. Thank you, for like listening. Thank you for listening this week. One listener <laughs> that we have left. Um, if you want to tell us our opinions are wrong, I am available at the useless god, but if you throw shade, I'm going to throw it back. Now, Derek, where can we throw shade at you? You can find me on Twitter at Burning Lizard. And I'm at BingeWatchFan, apparently. I need to say now that I am available. For no shade. So we're at the end of the episode. Thank you for listening to the definitive list of everything ever, colon, Disney edition. Tune in next time while we watch. We have moved away from the traditional 2D animated films into the 3D animated films. And you know what that means. It's time to watch Dinosaur. See you then.
definitive list of everything ever, colon, Disney edition, hyphen, Derek cries. You can't put a hyphen next to a colon. I do <laughs> what I this. want. <laughs> you freaking can't screw up our podcast with your bad grammar. <laughs> bad Kelsey grammar. That was a good joke. No one laughed at it. <laughs> I was trying to like let Derek say that we were done recording. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer is an actor of Frasier and Beast from X-Men 3, X-Men United, the best Wait. X-Men film since X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, I was going to say, the best? The best? <laughs> well, the best X-Men film if you like Beast. Opening and ending music by at Ben Sound. Podcast cover art by Nathan Rackley at Drawakir on Twitter.